0: I said, hey, something's not right, I'm having trouble breathing, it's uncomfortable, it feels like Mike Tyson punched me in my ribs, like I don't know what's wrong. I've never had this type of feeling before, it feels like I'm having a heart attack, but it's the right side of my body. Something's got to be wrong, and we end up getting a call from our doctor saying that I have a collapsed lung, and I'm like, what? We have a very special guest for you guys, a good friend of mine and a great player, DeMar DeRozan.
1: My entire life, until I was 19 years old, I was fighting for a better life, but not just myself, for my family. I know it was like not to have lights, to have to have candles throughout the house. I remember not having a refrigerator and needing to get ice. These things I carry with, with everything I go through that keeps me humble. You know, that's what shaped me, that's what keeps me motivated and driven.
0: You gotta give us your best Drake story.
1: He gave us one of his albums before it came out and gave it to us on the USB. And we took it back in the middle of the night, blowing this thing up. Like, bro, you need to take this back because we don't even want to be responsible for it. It felt like we had, like, a nuclear code in our hand.
0: Welcome to the 127th episode of Pull-Up Pod. That's right, 127 episodes. And on this date, December 10th, 1986, Dominique Wilkins scored 57 points in a 123-95 to win over the Chicago Bulls. Did Dominique's dunking ability overshadow his overall greatness as a player? I don't think so. I think the fact that he could dunk just kind of elevated who he was as a player and kind of elevated his profile. I think the fact that he was able to compete in a dunk contest against Jordan and go dunk for dunk, tat for tat, essentially, while also averaging 20 plus points per game, while also being able to average, you know, 25 to 28 points per game after the, uh, I think he had the Achilles injury, he recovered from it and, and was killing. I think all of those things kind of shows how great of a player Dominique Wilkins actually was. All right. I'm currently recording this. On a Thursday, you're going to be listening to it on a Friday, and I want to address the injury situation. Obviously, uh, for those that don't know, I was diagnosed with pneumothorax, and I'm going to take you through you know this journey with me. Basically, playing against the Celtics, um, it's the fourth quarter. I fight over a screen on defense, and I think I catch an elbow to like my rib, sternum, chest area, and kind of just shrug it off. I don't really pay much attention to it. It's just another part of the game. As the game continues to kind of go on, I sprint for a fast break. I jump for the layup, I get fouled, kind of get hit in my chest again, my chest like the side area. And I don't think much of it. I shoot the free throws. And, you know, a couple of minutes later as I'm kind of like going down the court, I notice that I'm kind of having shortness of breath. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. You know, I'm a quarter of the season in. I'm in pretty good shape. Like, why am I having shortness of breath? Why am I having, you know, like right side chest pain? But also my like right rib area uh, just is, is uncomfortable and kind of painful. I think I, I end up you know, looking towards the bench and kind of moving my arm, moving my shoulder, saying that, yo, this doesn't feel right. Like, you know, something, something's not right. Long story short, you know, the game is out of hand against the Celtics. We're losing. I end up getting subbed out, and I walk right to the training room, and I ask uh, the staff, you know, for x-ray. I said, hey, you know, something's not right. I'm having trouble breathing. Uh, it's uncomfortable. It feels like Mike Tyson punched me in my ribs. Like, I don't know what's wrong. I've never had this type of feeling before. It feels like I'm having a heart attack, but it's the right side of my body. And our staff agreed, like, let's get an x-ray. Like, we need to kind of get this checked out. Long story short, I get the x-ray. X-ray comes back negative, no fracture. And I'm like, this is weird. This is, you know, something's got to be wrong. It's pretty painful. It's obviously there's that breathing component of, you know, shortness of breath, kind of wheezing, whatever, whatever the case may be. When you fast forward, you know, throughout the process, um, I get some treatment. I kind of go through the process of, you know, treating, you know, what we all thought was bruised ribs. And we end up getting a call from our doctor saying that, um, I have a collapsed lung. And I'm like, "What? A collapsed lung?" Like they, they actually use the term pneumothorax, and I look it up. Like, "What is pneumothorax? Like, what does that mean? And what does this mean for like my health long term in my life?" And I Google it, and it comes up. Pneumothorax is an abnormal collection of air in the pleural space between the lung and the chest wall. Symptoms typically include Sudden onset of sharp one-sided chest pain, check. And shortness of breath, check. In a minor case, one-way valve is formed by an area of damaged tissue and the amount of air in the space between the chest wall and the lungs increases. This is called attention pneumothorax. This can cause a steadily worsening oxygen shortage and low blood pressure this leads to a type of shock called obtrusive shock. I don't think I got to that point, but I was very shocked to find out that, you know, I had a partial lung collapse and that I was having chest pain, you know, similar to a heart attack. Although I've never had a heart attack, I imagine it's, you know, close in the in the, in the feeling aspect of it. And, you know, I've been meeting with specialists, meeting with doctors, you know, the last couple of days to kind of learn more about this and Obviously, kind of tracking you know my progress, seeing how everything is, and the good news is based on you know images I received on Saturday and images I received on tuesday it 's already twenty percent better and you know we 're heading in the right direction with some rest, and i 'll start respiration therapy um, tomorrow but needless to say i 'm healthy i 'm doing okay, everything is healing the way it should be, and uh, at some point they 'll release a timetable for my return, but right now. We're just kind of researching and playing things by ear, but I was very nervous about it. I was very worried. Obviously, there's a lot going on in my life, um, on the court, off the court, in my family life, and last thing we needed was you know this freak incident, you know, occurring due to what we believe was an elbow um, coming to towards my my chest area that caused uh, this situation to happen, but. I'm thankful Um, been praying as I always do. And I'm thankful that everything will work out the way it's supposed to and that I'll be able to return to playing the game I love and be able to continue to um, obviously be a basketball player, a son, a husband, a father, brother, friend, all those things. So just kind of, it paints the picture of uh, how, precious life is and how you always have to keep perspective and really just take advantage of each day because as we've seen you never truly know what's going to happen in this world so that would be my my two cents is to really maximize your 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 days and really maximize your time because it is very very precious fast forwarding i talked about a lot of things happening in my life on and off the court the blazers have been a huge hot topic in the nba media obviously neil was fired there's a lot of trade rumors there's a lot of anonymous reports um I'll just say this, obviously the Neil firing has already happened. There was an investigation, internal investigation and uh, it turned out that, you know, there was some code of conduct issues to where he was fired. I think I went on record saying that, you know, Neil was great to me and my family. We have, haven't have had a great relationship and I'm thankful that he took a chance on me. I'm thankful for everything he's done for me and my family. And obviously what's happened is, you know, not ideal. It's very unfortunate. Um, there was an investigation. It's very unfortunate that there was, you know, Allegedly misconduct in the workplace that led to him being fired, which is, you know, never ideal, and you know it's it's tough that people have had to go through whatever they've had to go through in the workplace. Um, the The results of the findings weren't released, so I'm unsure of exactly, you know, what was going on, but it's very, very unfortunate. Looking at the situation as a player, I've been involved in trades before, so I'm kind of used to that aspect of things. I think, you know, for me, it's just more so about controlling the controllables, you know, focusing on, you know, first and foremost, my health, focusing on being the best version of myself, and then also focusing on my game and, and returning to, to form. I think it's no secret we haven't played well as a team. It's no secret I haven't been great as a player as of late, and I think, um, that's played a factor in all the things that we're going through right now. I think winning cures everything. And the fact that we've been losing, the fact that we've been injured, the fact that we've been banged up and we've had, you know, probably the most tumultuous season in my career as an organization. I think all these things are a huge factor in why we're a topic of discussion literally every day. We went from the most consistent organization in the NBA, you know, eight straight trips to the playoffs, same coaching staff, same GM, same front office, um, essentially the same organization from a top to bottom standpoint of operations to new coaches, president steps down, GM is fired, Dame gets injured, there's all this speculation, there's all these rumors, trade this guy, trade that guy, he's not happy, this person's not happy. And I think I'm getting a, a crash course on what the NBA is actually like. You know, this is my first year as the president of the National Basketball Players Association. This is us, you know, playing a season in the midst of COVID. This is us playing a season, my first season, where we've lost staff members, and I think I'm definitely getting a crash course on, on life in the NBA. But I think we're handling things to the best of our abilities, and I think going forward. Um, We'll definitely be better as a team. Guys are starting to get healthy. I'll be healthy again. Um, and I think a lot of what we're going through now will be forgotten, <laughs> especially if we're winning. But as I said before, it's it's all a part of the process. It's all a part of you know being an NBA player. It comes with the territory. You have to be mentally tough. Your family has to be mentally strong because they're going to have to deal with a lot when they turn the TVs on, when they sign into their social media. But I think... Uh, A lot of players have said it before on the record. You know, being involved in trades is is a a part of the job. But um, I think the fact that you're in rumors, I think it also means that you have value, which is important. Um, You. You would like to have value as a player. You'd like to be wanted. But for me, I've, I've gone on the record of saying it. I'm very comfortable here in Oregon. Oregon is my home. Um, this is where I'll raise my family. This is where um, I want to be. And I think I've showed my allegiance to the organization. And I think they have continued to show their allegiance to me um, based on how I've been treated uh, throughout the entirety of my career. But as we transition, obviously, we're going to be having a special guest on the pull-up pod. And I think the league as a whole has gone through a lot, you know, with, with COVID, with injuries, um, with health and safety protocols. I think LeBron went through it not too long ago. I have someone coming on the podcast that's, that's currently going through it. There's a lot of teams, um, staff, organizations that are going through, you know, the rigors of a season in COVID. And I think one of the great things about being on the Players Association Uh, all the calls that that kind of go into basketball and the competition committee making the game better is that we have to vote and decide on a lot of things. And I think the fact that we were able to vote and decide on more testing around the holidays was extremely important, extremely vital, because just think about all these cases that are popping up that we wouldn't have been aware of. And I think The fact that we're continuing to collaborate with with doctors, with scientists, with people who are involved in in medicine allows us to make more informed, uh, better educated decisions. And uh, I'm wishing everyone out there that's going through different things, you know, the best of luck. And obviously, you know, protect yourself during the holidays um, because people are going to be traveling. It's flu season. Families are going to be exposed. And this is another, you know, situation in which there are, you know, different variants evolving. So protect yourselves and um, continue to really enjoy your time here on earth. Coming up next, we have a very special guest for you guys, a good friend of mine and a great player having one of the best seasons of his career, Damar DeRozan. But first, make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Pull Up Pod. I want to now welcome a very, very special guest. He hails from Compton, California. He was a McDonald's All-American. He played for USC for one season. Just one season. He was the ninth overall pick in the 2009 NBA draft by the Toronto Raptors. He's the Raptors franchise leader in games played, minutes played, and total points. Four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA selection, an Olympic gold medalist. He's currently helping lead the Bulls to their best season in years, and he's playing like one of the top guys in the league. Lock for All-Star. Lock for All-NBA. Uh, All-NBA third team 2017. All-NBA second team in 2018. Pac-10 tournament MVP 2019. pac 10 all-freshman team 2009. Number 10 is retired by the USC Trojans. First team parade All-American 2008. As I said before, McDonald's All-American in 2008. We want to welcome special guest DeMar DeRozan. How you doing, brother?
1: I'm good. Appreciate that, CJ.
0: I appreciate you joining the pull-up pod, man. I know we've known each other for quite some time. I've been a fan of your game for a very, very long time. And I think people have a, a greater appreciation of not only your game, but of the importance of the mid-range jump shot right now based on you know what we're what we're seeing in in the game it's transforming from an analytics standpoint Mm -hmm. everybody's shooting threes and you are keeping a mid-range shot alive so thank you for doing that
1: man hey you part of that too I know you shoot a lot of threes but you you definitely part of that too
0: I'm getting there my percentage is a little low right now but you know I'll, I'll make some adjustments when I come back from my from my hiatus but we're we're in two unique spots right now obviously you know we just announced that you know I had pneumothorax. I'm gonna be out for a little bit with a collapsed lung you are in health and safety protocols right now and I think you know I want people to kind of know like what that process was like you know kind of what you're going through right now and I think you know the fact that you went to USC means that you wanted to be close to your family I think you talked about that and now you know you being in Chicago having to kind of be away from your family having to kind of be isolated what's that been like for you?
1: You know it definitely sucks you know um, especially with you know, everything we're dealing with going on in the world with COVID and everything, you know. For me, I'm a big family-oriented guy, you know, being close to family, friends, and every everything, you know, just going through this little situation. I always look at it like it's not going to last forever, you know, just take it day by day. Um, you said even before we got on here, we don't get that much downtime as it is. So sometimes you just take it, take it in, kind of reflect, and kind of just sit back and look at things you could – be better at, things you want to do, do better at, such as with the season, something personally. Um, and sometimes just to relax, sit back and just chill and kind of deject from everything that's going on with our mind, always working on work, work, work constantly. Sometimes just be cool, just to sit back and throw on, you know, some cartoons and be a kid for a couple hours, you know what I mean? So that's kind of things I do to keep my mind, you know, occupied
0: yeah cartoons is is definitely a big thing you talked about that What cartoons do you watch to kind of let your mind go
1: man i'm a i'm a i am ai am grew up a, a Simpson like my my whole life is the simpsons been my my whole childhood you know i think I had watched every episode up to two thousand and twelve so Jeez. since um since I've been in protocol I've been trying to catch up <laughs> on on a few episodes but just you know just doing doing anything just keep my mind in a positive space.
0: Now that's. I'm gonna have to go back and watch The Simpsons. I haven't watched up to 2012. I've only watched like bits and pieces. But I got some downtime, so I'm gonna add that to my list. Let's discuss the Chicago Bulls, and then I'll get back to the Spurs, and we'll touch on Toronto. But the Chicago Bulls right now, you were you were a free agent. You end up signing with the Bulls. There's all this talk about how will he be able to play next to Zach Levine? Like how will it work? You guys had Caruso. You guys had the big fella. You add Lonzo Ball. You got a nice, well-rounded roster on paper and then you, your season starts and it looks even better in person than it did on paper. Uh, is this what you kind of envision and what has it been like as you've transitioned to playing for the Bulls?
1: Mm, it, it's definitely something I vision. You know, I'll be lining to you tell you that I, I envision it working as fast as it has. Um, but coming into the season, I just knew we had a great group, group of guys nobody was bringing coming in with egos um, everybody had a chip on on their shoulders i know it was going to be a learning curve but I, I i had the utmost confidence that you know at any point of the season that we would be able to click and gel and kind of take off you know um and we kind of kind of did it a lot sooner than, than than expected you know um and that's a credit to you know the coaching staff coaching staff been great um Players is is awesome, you know. And every single day, we just trying to figure out how we could be better, you know. And it's great when you have a great group group of guys like that.
0: Yeah, I I seen you guys briefly in Philly, I believe, in the hotel. And you could just tell, like, you guys got a good group of guys. Everybody gets along. Shout out to Zach. He bought some of my wine. I know you don't drink.
1: Yeah, yeah, he loves wine. Yeah.
0: (laughs) As I said, I know you don't drink, but he bought a lot of my wine, so shout out to him, man. Happy for him having another great season, and uh, good to see things going so well for you guys. Um, looking at obviously the transition, you go from you know San Antonio to Chicago uh, in the middle of COVID, obviously having to move and kind of do those different types of things. How settled in are you in Chicago? Do you have any restaurants you 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 would recommend? Because I know we haven't played there yet. Uh, what's your what's your vibes in the city and how you've adjusted there so
1: far? It's been great, you know. Um definitely a sports city, you know, with all facets of sports and baseball, football, basketball. Um, it's been great, man. It's just one of those cities to where it could be so overwhelming, especially with me coming from San Antonio. It was such a chill city. Um, now coming to a big market city with countless things to do, for restaurants to, you know, you name it, it's, it's something going on in the city. And, you know, for me, uh, I, I really haven't got got out much like I wanted to to experience the pool, but I definitely plan on it. I've definitely been taking notes from a lot of guys. I know, Jimmy Butler gave me a couple restaurants he recommended that that I, I definitely want to try out. So for me, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking a slow motion, learning everything, learning my ins and outs. I'm still trying to get my directions down, getting from the airport to home. So I'm still using the phone and everything, but you no, know, um, it's been great.
0: Yeah, that, that's one thing that I didn't even factor in is, you know, you get used to doing the same stuff every day. Like I've been in Portland so long. I know where to go to eat at. I know where to tell people to, to go to do this at. I know all the shortcuts to the airport when there's traffic and how to take the back roads. So having to relearn that stuff, I, I I didn't even factor that in. That's that's a whole nother game changer. I want to go back to your summer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you spent you spend most of your summer at home in California, you know, Born and raised in Compton. You work out with uh, Dribble Too Much?
1: Dribble Too Much, yeah.
0: Dribble Too Much. You've been working out with him for some years now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was there anything different in your, not your approach, because I know you probably approach every summer the same, but was there anything different in your preparation from a standpoint of maybe, I see you shooting a little bit more threes, you know, a little bit more, but you're still sticking to that mid-range. What was your summer work like in terms of what you were working on and how you felt like that was going to translate to playing with the Bulls?
1: Obviously, my, my three years in San Antonio was a different type of learning experience at my career at that point. You know, um, my first nine years of of kind of being an athletic score, um, you know, when I made that trans- transition to play for the Spurs, it kind of opened up a different vault of my knowledge of basketball that I really had to tap into. And that helped me expand and understand the game from a different perspective of understanding, you know, how to manipulate the game a little bit more, um, not just rely on, you know, your athletic abilities, shooting, 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 and and, and try to find a rhythm through that. For me, it was kind of, you know, pop put me in a position to understand and pick and choose my spots, how to manipulate the game throughout the first quarter, second quarter, second half, how to break down defenses in the fourth quarter double teams, uh, moving without the ball. So many elements of my game that I didn't use my first nine years kind of came into play my three years in San Antonio. So three years of that, now coming into a season where I have a new opportunity for the first time in my career to pick and choose where I wanted to play, really get an understanding of how a team wanted to play, how they see me fitting. They're just using my overall experience over the time of me just being in the lead and kind of just meshing all I understood my work ethic always going to be there. But for me, it was just unlocking that knowledge that was always there, that I didn't know was there. And kind of this summer, I kind of just all put it together.
0: You talk about unlocking your knowledge, kind of spending that time with Pop. I think what people don't realize is how good of a playmaker you are. And I think you were such a good scorer in Toronto, uh, obviously living at the mid-range, you know, getting to the free throw line, hitting a three if you needed to, dunking on guys that people didn't really get to see. And obviously you played alongside Kyle, and he was kind of the one that orchestrated the offense. But in San Antonio, they kind of had you as like a point four, where you was kind of like a lead guard. You know, you initiate the offense, and you could go post up, get your isos in. A lot of pick and pop with L.A. I think, like you said before, he puts you in a position to do that. But you talk about how he unlocked it you know, from a mental standpoint, what type of conversations did you guys have behind closed doors? I think, I think painting that picture of like Papa Hall of Fame coach, how he did this with you and that relationship that you still have today now that you're gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, Pop was one of the ones to where, you know, my first day there, you know, he pulled me to the side and always had that dialogue and conversation about what to do, why to do it, and this is why you should do it. Whatever, whatever, the situation was. And it kind of made you really think about, you know, situational basketball from that perspective. If it was ISO at the top of the key, if it was elbow, if it's using screen and rolls, if, if it's moving without the ball, backdoor cutting, trusting your teammates. You know, he 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 definitely challenged you from a different perspective to where, you know, at first it was, it was kind of uncomfortable because you know, you you get so content. With, you know, I'm like, damn, I averaged 28 at one point in my career. What else could I, you know what I mean? For me, I kind of just put my guard down my first day there and listen to everything he said. And it was always that consistently after a good game, after a bad game, after a good play, after a bad play. You know, he challenged you to understand and understand what happened in that moment. You know, and that kind of just expanded, expanded my, my knowledge of the game. So much more, you know. Even trusting me, I remember one of our first shootarounds, my first, my first year there. He said, "The you the point guard." I said, "I'm the point guard," but you know, he challenged me to be the best at that in trusting my teammates. And you know, it, it, it put me in a whole different perspective when I was out there on the court, handling the ball or if I, or, or if I was off the ball and. You know, it helped me so much, but that was just him challenged me consistently every single day. If some were good, if some were bad, if I was confused about something. and you know, as a competitor, as as somebody who loved the game so much, you want that. And he brought it. He he brought the best of, of that out of me.
0: No, yeah, I've heard a lot of cool pop stories, so I'm glad you shared that. I think a lot of people they look at pop and they see this mythical legend of a coach, and they don't understand what goes into that.
1: Crazy. That's the first time I really. Talk like really broke down and talked talk to somebody about it. But yeah, that's that that's that's how it was. And you know, it, it can be uncomfortable if you're not built for it because he will challenge you to that point. You know what I mean? You really gotta be built for to sustain Pop consistently on you, challenge you challenge you. But he always won't want the best out of his players. And you know, you you understand why he was one of the, the GOATs for a reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's cool. Like you talked about, you average 28. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm elite in this category, right? How do I get better at the other things? And you always had it, you just didn't have to use it. And I think that's what people don't understand. It's like, a lot of guys are good at a lot of different stuff. They just aren't asked to do that in their team. And they're not put in position to have to do that. So they never show it. But I think that was one of the cool things about watching y'all was seeing like, you could go score 30, but you can also get eight assists seven rebounds, one to two turnovers, and that ratio looked crazy with the efficiency of, you know, shooting well from the field, getting to the free throw line, and adding in some three-pointers to where the analytics guys, they can't even, they can't say anything at that point.
1: Exactly, exactly, yep.
0: Before you went to San Antonio, you were obviously in Toronto, and I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Toronto for at least a little bit. You know, I think you should get your jersey retired. I think, honestly, low-key deserve a statue, but... (laughs) How, how have you evolved since that point in time, not only as a basketball player, but as a man, you know, growing up in Compton, you stay home, you go to USC, you get drafted in Toronto, you know, baby face, short hair uh, to, to the fro, right? You go from baby face, short hair to the fro to arguably, you know, the best rapper to ever come out of there.
1: Man, it's, it's, it's one of those things that is definitely still evolving because, you know, like you said, you know, we, we we had so much success when I was in my days in Toronto, especially, you know, my last five years there. And, you know, you think, you know, this is forever. <laughs> you know, you start to get to that point to where, like, you know, this is forever thing. You know, you're comfortable. You kind of feel, you know, untouchable in the sense of, you know, this is my city. This is my team. You know, this is my organization. And you kind of get complacent and content at times and try to figure out what's next. You know, and it's, it's, it's crazy because even you asked me that, putting it on my mind, making me think about it, it's, it's, it's one of those things to where, like, you know, you 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 understand why a journey is called a journey because of the things you go through. You know, sometimes you got to fail. Sometimes you got to get taken away from something that you think is yours to really under, understand that a lot. You know, the person and player who you are, you know, um, my time there in Toronto, you know, I, I grew from 19 to 27, 28 years old. When I left, I was a father, you know, um, everything, you know, I thought everything was set, but you start to realize, you know, you kind of put in perspective, you know, life in a sense, you know, um, it's bigger than basketball, you know, um, the elements and everything we go through as a professional athlete, Really prepare you and prepare, you know, my kids to understand what life is like, you know, um, the challenges that it brings. So for me, it, it started to open up a broader understanding of just what the world was like, you know, my time at, at in Toronto to now.
0: No, I appreciate you sharing that. And You talked about being a father. You talked about obviously evolving as a player, evolving as a person. I want to talk about Compton. Obviously, it means a lot to you. It's, it's where you're from. It's where you're born and raised. And I'm sure you get a variation of this question very often, but I think people don't understand, you know, how that has shaped your DNA, like who you are. It's not a lot of, you know, you've you been in the league a long time. It's not a lot of solid people out there, first of all. it's not, not a lot of solid people in the league in general. And I think the life changes people. I think I can firmly say that the life never changed you. How has grown up in Compton, you know, your, your inner circle, how has that shaped who you are today as a player person and as a father?
1: Man, uh, the ultimate uh, way of being humble. You know, my entire life, so I was 19 years old. You know, um, I was fighting for a better life, but not just myself and my family. You know, um, I know it was like not to have lights, to have to have candles throughout the house. I remember not having a refrigerator and needing to get ice every two, three days to keep whatever we had, whether it was milk, sandwich, meat, in a cooler just to stay cool. Like, I, I remember those days. I remember not having furniture for, for years, you know what I mean? Like, these things I carry with with everything I go through that keeps me humble. You know, I, I, I remember those lonely nights. I remember those tough nights seeing my, my mom and dad coming from long days of working. Like, I, 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 I never forget those moments. So, that carries... Like, I carry that with me every time I do something, every time I encounter something, every time I make an accomplishment because, you know, I remember those moments where I didn't have nothing and, but a imagination. You know what I mean? And and that will forever keep me humble because I never nothing will ever allow me to forget those feelings for the majority of my life. You know, that's what shaped me. That's what keeps me humble. That's what keeps me motivated and driven. And what gives me you know, the empathy to care for others and I always be the same when I meet anybody from top to bottom. We all human beings, man. And I, and I walk, I really walk and carry myself that way.
0: Yeah. I can, I can attest to what you do for sure. And I think, you know, as, as I've gotten older, I think I've, I've relied on, you know, my childhood, my experiences to kind of always make me remember, like when I leave, you know, multi-car garage house in a nice car, it's like, I remember when we used to drive down the neighborhoods and look at these houses in these cars like man mm-hmm. they got two they got a two car garage like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 wild how life kind of evolves and changes and one of the things me and my brother are going through right now, he got a son and I got a son on the way is how are we going to raise our kids? Like like in this in this lifestyle that's like if it seems fictitious, it's like fake. Yes. It's unimaginable. It's, it's unlike anything we were ever exposed to. And I think that's the the struggle of the balance of showing them where we come from but also showing them like hey like this is what happens when you work hard this is a life you can have and like with you being a father i think my my follow up question for that is how do you balance you know the life that we live now with what you grew up going through and like how are you trying to instill that into your kids to like understand the full picture
1: um you definitely got to show them both you know um for me i don't hide anything you know from from my from my kids you know i consistently you know they have family members, you know, um, that still live in Compton, that still, you know, they, they're they not as fortunate as them. You know, and at an early age, I always put that in perspective for my kids was, you know, you, you got to appreciate everything you have, you know. Nothing comes, nothing comes free in life, you know what I mean? Everything works for you. You have a toy, you know, as kids, like, I, I I give you a perfect example, right? I always use analogies with my kids. To where I say, man, Daddy wish I had this toy when I was young. And my, my oldest daughter always used to ask me, um, why you didn't have it. And that's a that's a teaching tool for me in that moment to show them why I didn't have it, you know, and, and and give them the example of why you have it. I didn't have it because it is. And teaching that empathy toward to my kids at a young age, to where now when my kids get feel like they have too many toys. They try to figure out, well, which one of my cousins don't have toys? I want to give this to them. You know what I mean? Like sharing that with them and, and, and having a, a giving um, emotion and understand understand that everybody don't have everything you may have. You know, um, some kids have it harder. You know, sometimes even my kids saying, oh, I got to drink all this water because it's somewhere somebody don't even have a water bottle to drink out of. There, That just shows me at a young age, I implemented the empathy in them to understand understand that everybody don't have this option. And I need you to understand that as you grow up, you start to understand, you see, you understand why, because this world we live in is a crazy place and not everybody have have that luxury to be able to have anything that they want, you know, and, and it's just a teaching tool and I'm still learning, you know, my oldest is eight years old, so, you know, I'm still learning.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think I didn't realize certain things until I had to do them or see somebody I love do them. Like we used to not always take our garbage cans to the curb, mm-hmm. and then my brother became the trash man for a summer, mm-hmm. and he, I went and worked with him, and I was like, oh. <laughs> okay i understand yeah. now and, and it's just a little stuff of like when you experience it you go through it or you show them or you go do a you know a community service event you really like start to it starts to, the light comes on yeah. you know and i think that's that's i'm gonna I'm take that one with me for sure i appreciate you sharing that jim yeah. on to more compton related things the history of compton is obviously known to produce athletes right mm-hmm. i want to know Who's the best player to never that didn't make it from Compton in the list of your favorite players uh, to ever come through Compton in terms of how that influenced you either as a person as a player or in your game in general? Because I it's an Earl Manigault in every city.
1: Yeah, man, I, I I'm gonna start with who who's somebody I admired from Compton that that you know I don't even think many people know this story. That kind of motivated me and helped me a lot more than I probably even have told him in person was Tayshawn Prince. Um, His dad and my dad were close friends. So when I was a kid, this one, he was even in high school at Dominguez before he even went to Kentucky. My dad used to go over his house and, you know, just talk, shoot the shit with his dad. And I used to go in the backyard and play in Tayshawn Prince's backyard shooting shooting baskets, shooting around, shooting around. He always used to come back there shooting. So by the time he went to Kentucky, I used to watch Kentucky play all the time because that was somebody I could, I could, I felt like I could relate to because one, he's from my city. I've been up and close and personal with him. I've seen him now. He's playing early in the morning at Kentucky on a on Saturday. You know what I mean? So now right. when he come home in the summer, I'm I'm at his backyard watching him play, and I'm watching him play. I see him get drafted, go to Detroit, and it became such a motivational factor of me just wanting to be someone, someone to make it out of Compton too. So, Tayshawn Prince was definitely one of the ones that admired me, that motivated me, that that, that was somebody that I, I really looked up to, um, young. As far as players that man, there's so many, there's so many guys that I played against that was from Compton. From middle school to high school, that that was amazing. Like I, I give one, I give I give one example. A guy who didn't make it. His name was David Hamilton, who went to Compton High. Right? They used to call him Super Crypt. So when I was young, I remember um, hearing about David getting shot. He got shot in Compton High. Had a playoff game the next day. He had got shot the, the night before. So he gets shot, and it was just a, a big old thing. Like, damn, he got shot. you're not going to play. He gets shot. He plays in the playoff game the next day after <laughs> me had shot the night before. Wow. <sighs> True story. True story. But he was one of those guys that was amazing. I'm talking about he could do everything on the perimeter, athletic, shoot, score. But it had the toughness to him that just took him to another level that just brought that intimidation factor on the court. And, I mean, he had one of the coldest names, man, from Compton with Super Crit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he was one of the coldest, man. Like, so i I'll probably have to go with him, David, David Hamilton.
0: That's a killer story. And that name... <laughs> I never
1: even that story. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: That name is... <laughs> that name is... That's a, <laughs> name. that's a sick name. I like
1: it. Compton, <laughs> Another story.
0: No, nah, it's, it's funny because, like, everybody's neighborhood, right? It's like... I wasn't the coldest in my neighborhood growing up. And it's, you, yeah. you see all of these kids and you talk about like, it's opportunity, it's exposure, it's guidance. You know, everybody's missing one thing that kind of like deters them from from making this. It. And like, I'm, I'm lucky to be here in the league. I'm lucky to be here sitting here talking to you. Um, and I just had a little bit better guidance. I just, I did some stuff and didn't get caught. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that plays a factor too. Like I just didn't get caught messing up.
1: That's a big factor. how much, people don't realize it's a lot of luck that come into play. You know what I mean? It's right. just not always just talent because there's so many people that's talented but they unlucky. You know, timing is bad. You know, it's just so many factors that so much stuff got to align for you to even make it. Right. Especially growing up, how we grew up, it's like, yo, it's it's so much shit we already up against that makes it hard for us in the beginning. Right. So when we make it, it's that much more sweeter. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's crazy.
0: That's dope. I got a couple more for you, then I'll let you go. We got to do Mount Rushmore. You're top five of all time. And it, it makes it easier for people if I give them a possible, so I can give you top five in the possible. Because, you know, if, if you got to add top shit, five. top five in the possible, you might, you need a six man. You may, Maybe, maybe you need a Ginobili on every team. You need a good Ginobili. So I give you top five in the possible.
1: I got to go with Bean. Got to go with Kobe, Michael, Magic, Shaq. You got to put Brian in there.
0: That's a a good five right there. That's
1: my five. Brian, Cole, Michael, Bird, Shaq.
0: Perfect. I appreciate you sharing. Since you gave yours, I give mine. I give a different one every time. So, Mike, Shaq, did I go old? If I go old, some years I go Wilt. (laughs) Some years I go Wilt or uh, Kareem. I think I went with Kareem. It's, it's it's hard to quantify like these players that played in the era where we wasn't alive
1: that's how I am that's why I like I'm more so like I'm big on like alright if we're gonna go eras if we're gonna go 92,000 teams right. 80s you know what I mean I'm like I can give a 5 with that but it's so like you said it's so hard just to give a 5 off you know what I mean like nothing against the, I love bro I, to this day I still watch old games but it's a lot of old games that you know it's you know, we can't really just pull up and just watch like that to really understand how good these players may have been, could have been and all that. So,
0: yeah, I think, I think when it's all said and done, I think these, there's a lot of great players that play, but I think the fact that we got, you know, obviously YouTube, you got all of these, these streaming, these streaming services that allow you to watch us in high definition, like 20 years from now, they're going to be watching our era like, these boys was getting to it. Like, (laughs) like, real skills. Yeah. And shooting from half court and getting dunked on. And it's like, it's like cyborg players in the league. Now, when I be watching highlights of these, like, younger kids, I'm like, this athleticism is crazy. Like, these kids is...
1: Crazy. I, I I brought this up. Think about this, bro. I don't even think we think about this, right? You know, we know all the records right now, right? 20 years from now, these records that stand or been standing for the last 15, 20 years, it's going to be nothing compared to the record's 20 years from now. You know what I mean? Right, that's like, true. Like, you got guys, look, look i watched watching Steph play last night. Ray Allen, arguably one of the greatest shooters of all time. What, Steph them beat him and uh, well, he's about to beat him in 400, 500 less games than three point three pointers made? Like, you know what I mean? If you was ask 10 years ago, would anybody break Ray Allen record? You will say, nah, that's damn near impossible. Right. It's crazy. You know what I mean? So that's how I always look at the game, how how crazy it's evolving to all the high I how athletic these guys is. How they coming in shooting from anywhere the floor. It's it's crazy. It's just it's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, these they training earlier and earlier and and it shows. I got two more for you. Before we go. You got to tell me the Drake story, but I'll save that for last because Kyle Kyle shared a Drake story about the rapes, And then Uh, we got early season awards. So we'll do that first. Early season awards. I'll go first. All right. right, Rookie of the year. I'm from Ohio, so I got to go with Evan Mobley. Uh, He went to SC.
1: SC, I'm with you. I'm with you on that.
0: Yeah. He went to SC. He's special. I, I I talked to Ed the other day. He can do everything. Mm-hmm. He can shoot. He can guard one through five. He's selfless. Um, he blocks shots. He rebounds. He's efficient. And he got real skills. Like, I was watching him. He got he got pivot game. Mm-hmm. He got back to the basket game. He got a touch. He makes his free throws. Mm-hmm. I was like, he should have been number one pick. No question. Um, respectfully, he should have been a number one pick. Um, defensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Bomb because of how well the Warriors are playing. They went from, you know, bottom tier uh, they was getting dogged in the media to 20 wins in their first 24, 25 games. So, I think Draymond, defensive player of the year.
1: I agree with you with that. I give it much as I can't stand them, but I give it to him. <laughs>
0: You're not alone. I lost to them a lot of times. They cost me a championship, if I'm being honest. Um, MIP. Mm. Uh, that's tough. I think Miles Bridges. Yeah, yes. I think Myles Bridges I Miles Bridges because he...
1: Miles is... Bro, I, I I love watching Charlotte play because of Miles Brissett. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Just the confidence he, he's playing with, how aggressive he is, and he's exciting to watch. You know what I mean? Like, Man. you got to go with Miles, for sure.
0: Charlotte, I, I, Charlotte is going to have to come out the pocket. I think they offered him 15 million a year. They're going to have to
1: Yeah, he bet on twenty. The show. He's showing it. And I, I love it. I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah, he rolled the dice, Freddie Van Vliet style, and he it. hit sevens coach of the year
1: Billy Donovan
0: I see you uh, that's a good one this health this health and safety protocol is is putting a damper on this but when y'all get back y'all had some more players going today I think yeah I think see it on Twitter but y'all y'all been without Vusi most of the year he came back and then a bunch of y'all fell in but I think he got a he got a shot he got a shot I think it's going to come down to him I think Kerr and if Cleveland can make the playoffs yeah I think he got action.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: If Cleveland gets into playoffs, I think he got action because I don't. I think projections, Vegas odds, probably had them 20, 20 wins, probably twenty
1: five wins. Yeah. yeah, you got it.
0: MVP. Um, well, you gotta get out hell of health a safety protocol, but you got action. You got action. <laughs> you got action on the MVP tip. I've been watching. You got real action leading NBA in fourth quarter scoring. Steph got action. If they win, if they win sixty five games,
1: you, you got to give it to Steph. He's he's incredible, bro. Like what what Steph is doing right now it's no, like you said, nobody would have picked Golden State to be where they at right now, especially without Clay. Yeah, you know how scary it's gonna be when Clay get back, and how much more that's just gonna open up, open it up for Steph. So
0: yeah, I, I told my uh, my brother, I think I told Rich this last year. I've never seen a guy that shoots so well get so many open shots. Yes. Like, yeah. Him and Clay when they play together, like it's like you choosing. Yeah. Like, all right, do I let him shoot? Because the swing, swing is crazy out of the split action, and you like it's Clay and his Steph. Like, who you close out to? Mm-hmm. Two of the greatest shooters to ever touch a basketball, and that just the that's a sign of their greatness, their movement. That's a sign of their offense, their selflessness. Because they be pointing to each other because they know yeah. whoever get the first pass got to get the next pass to swing. So they be like pointing at each other, like swing it to him, so I can throw it to me. But now that's. You're right. And we in the West, too.
1: Yes. Hey, trust me. <laughs> I've been with it for three years. The West ain't no joke.
0: <laughs> hey, it's to it's get real in the field. But y'all, the East is deep. The East oh, is yeah, deep. Yeah. I think the,
1: East, the East. Even when I was in the East before, it wasn't it wasn't like how it is now. So yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's evolved. It's, the game is evolving. All right. Before I let you go, I got a I got a and or segment. You already gave me a gym with the Simpsons. Um, I'm going to go through this real quick and then we'll do the best Drake story slash you can tell the same story as Kyle and I'll see how close you tell it compared to how he told it but I'll start with um, favorite TV show you said Simpsons?
1: Nah, I'm going to give you something else favorite TV show right now right now I'm on The Sopranos too so I go with The Sopranos
0: Walk me through your game day routine
1: game day routine shoot around once I come back from shoot around I take an hour to probably just be on, like, the internet, be online, find some something funny, find an interview, find something. Take a nap, wake up from my nap, lay there for about an hour just to, like, you know, get my mind right. Get ready, get up, get ready, go to the arena, listen to music on the way, get ready. Like, I don't do nothing special, mentally just trying to get locked in for the game. And
0: You said you listened to music. What's in your rotation?
1: It's just I'm I'm a feel guy, so I I could wake up I could feel like I'm on some on some Drake, some Jay Z. I may wake up and feel like I just want to listen all all oldies, you know. So every day is different. It's it's never it's never the same thing every two days, you know. I just whatever I'm feeling, bro.
0: Got you. If you didn't play basketball, you would most likely be doing what?
1: Probably playing football. Probably uh, my dad played football, so. I always used a bed. could I play football? But my mom, my mama wouldn't let me. So it'll probably be football.
0: Gotcha. Favorite cereal?
1: Frosted Flakes.
0: Can never go wrong with Frosted Flakes. Apple or orange? Orange. PC or Mac? Mac. Favorite restaurant in Toronto? Ooh, Soto Soto. I could go there every time we play there. Soto Soto. Favorite restaurant in San Antonio?
1: Magiano's.
0: Adding it to my list. I'm, let me type this in. I'll say that because we go in there. Strategic. That was a strategic ass. yeah.
1: Italian spot.
0: Tom Brady or Peyton Manning?
1: Ooh. See, I was a big Peyton Manning fan. Like, big. Like. There's no wrong answer. No, nah, that's what I'm saying, but you can't Peyton Manning.
0: French fries or tater tots?
1: Tater tots.
0: Waffle fries was an answer, too. You could throw that in there.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going waffle fries then.
0: love French fries. Last one. Yogurt or ice cream? Ice cream. I love that segment. That segment makes me happy every time I every time I go through it. French fries is like my happy food. So, as soon as when I as soon as I found out I had the the lung situation, I, I went and got me some French fries from uh, from Chick fil A.
1: <laughs> waffle fries, right? Yeah, I got some waffle Can't fries from Chick fil A. Can't go wrong with that.
0: Before I let you go, you got to give us your best Drake story, and it could be the same one Kyle shared or a different one.
1: I, I, I do both. Cal told a story about, I forgot who he was playing. I think he said it, but I remember Drake was the, he was one of the first ones with the Dawn, Rolls Royce, and the Wraith. And I forgot where he was at. I think we was eating dinner before and he was saying, um, if we win tomorrow, he'd have both of the cars waiting for us. And um, lo and behold, we play the game. We'll do we'll, He had the game. Soon as the game was over, me and Cal walking off the floor. He slides, he throws both the keys like on the floor as we walking off, slid both the keys to it, right? Boom, we, we had the car, we driving the car. Cal's so damn nervous. He After a few days, he was ready to get a car back. But I'm, I'm up here driving the car like <laughs> flexing. Like I'm, actually, like I'm on IG and all that, right? So he tell that story. I have another story he probably didn't tell. He gave us one of his albums before it came out. It was it was a minute before it came out. I forgot what album it was, but this one we were still using the uh, USBs. Oh yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he gave us, he gave us the USB to get the album, to download the album, so we could have the album before anybody, right? So we 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 I think we was eating at a restaurant, so he gave it to us. No, I think we go, we we pull up to him at his house or something. He give us to it, he gave it to us, right? It was like 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> Cal take it to his house, download it on his his computer. I take it home, download it on my computer. And I'm telling, I'm telling Cal, I'm like, bro, we got to take this USB back because I don't want nothing to get leaked out. And he think we fucking leaked it. All this stuff, right? So me and Cal was like, yeah, we, we got to take it back. So it was like two, three o'clock in the morning, bro. We blowing them up like, yo, take this take this USB back because we don't want... No issues. If a song, if anything get leaked out, it didn't come from us. But yeah, he gave us one of the albums early and, and gave it to us on the USB. And we took it back in the middle of the night, blowing this thing up. Like, bro, you need to take this back because we don't even want to be responsible for it. It felt like we had like, like a nuclear cold in our hand. bro. Like, And we had to take it back. And we took it back to him like two, three o'clock in the morning, dog.
0: Nah, that's funny. That's legit. It is a nuclear code. Though. People Yeah, bro, people, I
1: was I man, we were shook. I ain't going to lie. I was like, "Yo, he just give us the USB like
0: the casual." Yeah, like, super it casual.
1: Was nothing. I'm like, "Nah, bro."
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, that's I appreciate you sharing those stories. Man, I think those is those is dope little anecdotes and like me as a player, I don't think people realize how like how friendly and like down to earth Drake is. Like we have this this idea of what he's like, right? Like listen to his music, he's bigger than life, got his own plane, like Apple make over 100, 150 million a year, but he just like a genuinely like really nice down earth dude.
1: Besides him being who he is, that's like really a partner of mine. Like that's somebody you call a friend. Like I remember sitting at his house from midnight to six, seven o'clock in the morning and just having real life conversations about like real shit, you know what I mean? And like, you know, it's hard to find people, especially if somebody of that stature just to take the time out and just, you know, shit, they just as normal as, as us, you know what I mean? And right. share those moments, have those moments, is is, is is definitely dope, man.
0: No, I appreciate you sharing. For the sake of keeping it under hour, I'm gonna ask you one more question. What is the best Kyle Lowry story you can you can have? Because I know Kyle gonna listen to this. Oh, this is uh, a good one. The best Kyle Lowry story, because I know Kyle gonna listen to this.
1: Oh my God, I got so many of these. Hold on, let me make sure I get you money's worth.
0: If if you got more than one that you like, tell yeah, me. I'm no
1: no trip cuz I, I want to piss him off. This I've been waiting for this. Um <laughs> Have you heard about the story in practice? Which one? We was practicing at UCLA. We was just laughing about this earlier this this season too. We was practicing in LA. I think we had like a bad little stretch. We had a hard practice in LA and so we practicing. So when Cal mad at something, he'd be he be he be a real asshole about whatever's going on until he get his way, right? So we practicing. So in practice, he's shooting like 30 footers. He's <laughs> being an asshole. Like we we not getting no rhythm in practice and all this. So coach was like, Cal, just, just sit down, let, let let guys practice, blah, blah, blah. Cal was like, nah, I ain't sitting down, I'm still practicing. <laughs> so Cal just standing in the middle of the court middle of the court. So coach was like, all right, guys, just go to the other court. We just finish on the other court. Leave Cal alone. Let him be right here. Leave him alone. Blah, blah, blah. So we go to the other court. We about to start practicing. Cal runs to that court, takes the basketball, sits in the middle of the court and said, if I ain't practicing, ain't nobody fucking practicing. (laughs) (laughs) So he wouldn't let nobody practice. I'm talking about we switched... To the other court, he taking the balls, throwing the ball, sitting in the middle of the court saying, "If I can't practice, ain't nobody practice." I think you know, like just canceling practice. I think like out of our next ten games, we won like eight, bro. Like we, it was, it was.
0: That's <laughs> hilarious because Kyle's so mild mannered. You don't bro, you don't no, picture him bro, doing nothing not. like this. No, That's he's a, not like is he playing the game,
1: bro. He's but. He'll do that, and it brings the best out of us, coaching staff and players, right? He used to do that a lot. I'll I tell you another story. We was at training camp. <laughs> we were at training camp. So you know how, like, you know, they split up the teams. Right. Training camps, we playing five. You know, we doing, like, situational stuff um, throughout practices. So one of the coaches was coaching, and Cal was like, why would we run that? Blah, blah, blah. Why would we run that? I don't want to run that. So the coach was like, What? You want to drop the play? You know, asking him rhetorically. Cal's like, "Yeah, I want to drop the play, snatch the, the board from him, start <laughs> drawing up a play." They kicked him out of practice. <laughs> I swear it was the funniest thing in the world. It's a funny thing, but that was Cal. That was just Cal. You know what I mean? He just he had so many of those moments, but it made it even more memorable because after it happened, you know you're gonna get the best out of him and the rest of the guys, man. And and it, it always worked. It never backfired whenever he did it. You know what I mean? He never he never did nothing out of a malicious way because he was always writing for his teammates and everything. But in the yeah. moment you would be like, yo, what what is this dude doing? You know what I mean? But it was it was entertaining, man.
0: No, I appreciate you sharing it. I'm gonna text him and tell him um you know Miami just—they had a big win, so he can't do it for a little while. But he got to—he got to do that in Miami and see what happens. He got to take the ball and lay in the middle of the court.
1: It'd be entertaining.
0: <laughs> no, I appreciate you sharing, bro. Thanks again for for coming on the pull up pod. You was hound, you was hounding me, right? I ain't, I ain't, like, what I tell you? I said look, I ain't know you wanted to come on my podcast. I would have oh, yeah, asked. I
1: did say it. I, I'm <laughs> the one that said it to you. I'm like damn, like you ain't even asked. Like we said this a while ago. I told you I'd do it, bro. I
0: told you. No, I appreciate do. you you coming through. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best with the health and safety protocol. I, I know you cl- you gotta be close to, to 10 days now, so yeah. you should be out of there soon, man. And I hope the family, everybody is great. Happy holidays and events, and I'll be I'll be back when I get back. But in the meantime, hold it down, man. Hold it down for the middies. Hit, hit, hit some middies for me. I need to see some turn fades, all of that.
1: I got you, bro. I'll be checking on you. All right, bro, take it easy. Yep, you too.
0: Once again, we want to thank my friend DeMar DeRozan for coming on the Pull Up Podcast, shared a lot of gems with us, a lot of personal stories and things that he hasn't shared with anybody else. So I want to thank him and wish him nothing but the best as he continues to maneuver health and safety protocols. Now it's time for the wine segment. So please cue the wine music. Obviously, I'm on the mend Uh, Right now, recovering, getting ready to return at some point. But first, going through the rehab process and education process. It's clear I'm going to need to watch a lot of TV shows. It's clear I'm going to watch a lot of basketball. And it's also clear I should drink a little bit of wine. Most recently, I cracked open Pyramid Valley Vineyard's Field of Fire Chardonnay a 2016. Um, I actually bought this wine at Food & Wine in Aspen over the course of the summer. It is a very, very good wine. A uh, very, very good price point varies, but this one is probably in that 70, $75 range. Um, they have wines from 40 all the way up to over a hundred, but this was more bold than light, more dry than sweet, higher in acidity. Um, and for those of you out there that aren't familiar with that, it just means it's gonna make your mouth water a little bit more. There was minerals, stones, honey, um, definitely hints of lime, uh, citrus, a little bit of oak, butter, vanilla I actually drank this uh, As I watched the Warrior Blazer game And as they talked about Steph breaking the record Which he did not Because we were locking up But in any news It is a New Zealand Chardonnay uh, Among the top 11% of wines in the world And You can pair it with Fish, salmon, tunas um, Pork Vegetarian type meals Poultry Or you can drink it with popcorn Or with nothing but I definitely highly recommend that. Check it out. Very good stuff there. I appreciate all of you tuning into the Pull Up Pod. Please hit the show up on social, at Pull Up Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Share the show with a friend and tell that friend to tell a friend. And as the saying goes, don't forget to
1: pull up.